Three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 72. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Arkiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are so excited to be joined by a guest today. Um, our guest is Katie Johnson. Hi, Katie. Hi. And um, I have known Katie for, I guess, two years now, right? Two years. And she is a teacher, a kindergarten teacher at my school. And I got to know her a lot better this year through uh, our PLC meetings every week. But um, more importantly, Katie and I are neighbor, classroom neighbors, because her classroom is right across the hallway from me. And I just many, many times would be sitting at my desk and be like, oh, Courtney, who is the person who sits right beside me at the desk. Do you hear that? That is just listen to what's happening over there. It is so good. And I just love hearing what's coming out <laughs> of your classroom all the time. I get to feel like I get to a little eavesdrop. I our doors being Aww. so close to each other. So thank you. I like being across the hall from y'all. It's <laughs> nice um, to just pop over and ask a question if I need to, yeah. too. Well, I have I have just enjoyed watching you grow this year, getting to know you better this year. And um, I felt like your growth in math teaching was so exciting that uh, we wanted to talk to you about it. And also, we spend, Ruth and I spend so much time talking about upper elementary that it feels like a treat when we can talk about primary kinds of things. So thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, for sure. So we'll just, um, we'll just jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, also tell us about your, you know, what roles you've had as a teacher and about what your experience was like as a math student? Yeah, so um, this is my fourth, this past year was my fourth year teaching, and I actually went to school in, I went to um, undergrad in North Carolina, so I um, did my student teaching at a school for the arts, which was really a really cool experience, Um, and I taught second grade, and then I moved to first grade. And so I spent two, two years in North Carolina, and then my husband um, got into PA school in Lynchburg, so we moved up here, and I've taught kindergarten now for two years. Um, and what were the other questions? Sorry. How, what, tell us about your math experience as a student. So I, don't, I didn't really like or not like math. I was good at it, but I was always taught the algorithms and the steps to it, and I had a really good memory, so I feel like I was good at math, but I didn't really enjoy it. Um, So I don't really have any great math experiences that I remember from, you know, learning math, but I do remember when I got to college, um, we had one math class, and it was for elementary math teachers, and it was just like nothing I'd ever experienced before because they taught us all these different ways to think about math. And um, I don't know, I was just mind blown by the way you teach math. And then I went through Common Core in North Carolina mm-hmm. and switched over. That was an interesting switch. Um, I still don't really know how I feel about it, but um, it was a good experience, I guess, to have 
the common core and then come here and not. So I think it's cool that you've had you've had a wide range of grade levels and teaching common core and not common core. Do you want to talk too about the program that you're you're almost finished, right? Yeah, so I actually finished. Oh. I'll I would have graduated in May um, with my reading specialist degree, but they've postponed it till September. But I have finished the coursework, so I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So are you certified? I'm just curious. You've taught kindergarten first and second. Is your degree K-5 or K-6? What are you certified? Um, so in North Carolina, I would be certified K-6. But okay. in Vir- Virginia, my license is pre-K through 6. Cool. Okay, cool. It's, yeah. And then for the reading specialist, it's K-12. That's awesome. Um, it's been cool to, you know, when you go through those kinds of programs, to, you know, we all have to sort of practice in our own school. So it's been neat to watch you, you know, implement a lot of those things with different teachers and with students. And that's been really fun to watch happen at school. So I'm yeah. really curious. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of reasons that we're different because you're kindergarten and I'm sixth grade. <laughs> um, but this whole like DLP, pro, which is what our school is calling this distance learning program, um, has it's got a lot of similarities for teachers. And then there's a lot of differences. And I'm just curious how you've connected with your kindergartners, I feel like they would want their, to see their teacher more than the sixth graders would want <laughs> to see their math teacher. <laughs> yeah, so it's been kind of a challenge. I've tried many different things. I started off really just ready to go and I had all these great ideas, um, but it didn't really work out as well as I thought it would. Um, I've tried to do Zoom meetings and I only had one or two students show up, and then sometimes no students would show up. Um, and then I've also used Seesaw, which is an awesome um, oh. online. Okay, I know a little bit about that from when I was doing my math specialist degree, like in my technology class. Yeah, it's really cool, and it has so many different ways for the kids to like show their work or show their answer. And it, they can actually, like, record themselves working, which I really like. But with that, I still haven't had – I think I had one student participate um, online. And so it's kind of challenging for me to connect to the students. For those of us who haven't ridden the Seesaw in a while, what is what is it? <laughs> <laughs> so Seesaw is, like, an online um, platform f- for learning and – you can share different activities that other teachers have created. So you can create your own activities or you can use activities that the other teachers have used, have created. I feel like a lot of people use it, Get you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't actually investigated, but I've heard people kind of use it like a digital portfolio where you kind of collect students' work together in a digital, easy oh, to follow okay. way. Does that kind of match maybe? Yeah, I think... I think you can do that as well, but um, the way I was trying to use it was to send out some activities okay. and then to kind of, you can record videos, you can, um, like, even just to communicate, I thought it would be nice, but uh, no one was really able to participate. Yeah. 
I will, I will, you know, for what it's worth, like, just encourage you that, you know, parents are so busy and this time is so weird, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what I was, my personal experience is that Tripp's teacher, who's, who's second grade, um, recently had their first Zoom and there were only two kids, my son and one other student. And you could tell, like, she was like, yay, I'm so glad to see you. But you could also tell she was, like, disappointed. But yeah. I sat beside, like, I, I wasn't in the video. I was off to the side, just, like, beaming with how joyful it was. You know, it was just yeah. so fun Aww. to see him connect with her and how she takes you know she just loves them and and they would like run and get their legos and hold it up to the camera and then run back and get another lego and hold on to the camera (laughs) like just silly stuff they didn't you know it wasn't like they were doing a lesson but i don't know it wasn't it was great for him it was encouraging to to me too you know yeah yeah so even if it's small numbers I, i i can imagine that the parents appreciate that too and the kids yeah that's true so, um, I was thinking about how when we knew that we that school was going to be canceled, we had some a short amount of time that we were able to go into our classrooms and kind of like collect anything that we thought we would need for the rest of the you know eight weeks that we'd be we knew would be out, and it sort of made me think about um, like what was most important. I even stood in my room and was like, okay, I don't really know what my next eight weeks are going to be like. What do I need? What do I need? And I have a little stash over there in the basement of like the most important math things that I thought I might need. I didn't know if I was going to make videos or like sit down and teach my own kids stuff. Um, So I'm wondering for you, if you had that experience and you had to go in and say like, what are the most important math tools as a kindergarten teacher? What are the things that you would grab that like maybe five things that you couldn't live without for math? So I think first of all, in kindergarten, you could really do anything as long as it's a thing. Like the kindergartners just love new things. So I immediately think of Unifix cubes, Um, And then any collections, you know, like counting collections, Mm -hmm. any little things that they can just kind of manipulate and use. Right. Um, And then I also love the Reckonrecs. So I think maybe if I don't know if that would be a possibility to send home with your kids, but I think that would be great just because it's I mean, you can do part whole, you can do adding or subtracting, um, comparing numbers even with that. And um, trying to think. The other thing that I like is um, tens frames. So the they make magnetic tens frames. Um, the kids really always like to use those in my class. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a good one. Um, so I'm remembering teaching first grade, and we have these little red, blue, green, and yellow bears. Do you still have oh, the yeah. little plastic bears? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be a good one. <laughs> I remember going to fifth grade and being like, where are the bears? <laughs> and the school was like, those are for, you know, kindergarten, first grade teachers. I'm like, I need those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still use those. I remember walking to a second grade classroom. It was the first time I ever saw them, not as a student, but as a teacher. And me going, why does this person have a giant box? They look like uh, erasers. You stick on a, like cap erasers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like. Yeah, Why do they have a giant box of bear racers. It was the craziest thing because, you know, I'd worked in schools for a long time, but I had never spent time like in the regular classrooms, especially primary. 
to see that kind of thing. I was blown away when you started bringing home all the different <laughs> manipulatives and seeing different things in people's classrooms. I was like, what is all this? Yeah. I recently got some, uh, just I'm excited about it. I got some new collections. I had a little bit more grant money left over. And so I got, you know, like I, I searched Twitter for what were a few more things that we don't have. So I found um, skeleton keys, like little, I don't, oh, wow. I don't know what how to describe those. If They're like skinny keys, if you don't know what that are is. Are they real old, or are they toys? No, they're decorative things. They're, they're like anywhere from charms. like an inch and a half down to maybe three quarters of an inch long. They're like charms or toys. But they're all different. It's yeah. really cool. And I got um, like plastic flies. <laughs> and They're tiny. Plas- yeah, plastic rings. Um, that was Tripp's idea. I was oh, yeah, yeah. like to go on your fingers mm-hmm. and plastic spoons, colorful plastic, me- like mini plastic spoons. They're cute. Like the sample spoons on ice yeah. cream store. What was the other thing I got for collections? Oh, leaves. Like, oh, yeah. like, um, oh, cool. you know, silk. Fabric fall leaves. Yeah. So anyway, those are our new collections that we'll add when we get back. So that was awesome. Exciting. Yeah. So. What I'm just curious, what are your favorite things to teach in math? Like I just, those bears have me like thinking about the days <laughs> that I taught first grade. And now I'm curious what your favorite things to teach are. Yeah. So last year, I don't know what I, I probably would have had a hard time figuring out, like, what is my favorite thing in math? But this year, my favorite thing was definitely counting collections and honestly, part whole. So, um, Tracy just opened my mind up to this whole new approach to math, and I love it. The kids Woo-hoo. love it. It's just so, so much fun, you know? So I'm just curious. Just tell me, like, what you do for a part whole lesson. Like, tell me one that was really cool. So first off, we started with doing number talks in the beginning of the year. And so by the time we got to part whole, um, having our number talks – that foundation, it was mm. just like we were just ready to go with um, – they just, like, already knew it. Um, so I'm trying to think of a lesson we did for part whole other than number talks. But I think you said that because you're – that number talk, when you're doing that part whole, the most exciting thing is when you're going to be like, okay, we're going to tackle this, and then you're – oh, my word, you get this. They already can yeah. do it. That's what's, like – makes it your favorite thing to teach when you have so many students who get it. I thought it was so cool this year how, you know, it was this, I guess it was the second or third year that the Rec and Recs were at our school. We've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we've been there for a long time. Yeah. We, I guess three years. I think it's the third year. We, we, Jay cut them all with the saw and drilled the holes and, you know, um, then the teachers put them together, I think three years ago. And that first year we didn't get very far with explaining how to use them. And then the second year, just a little bit. And so this year I was like, all right, guys, we're going to do it. It's not scary. I promise. And there was a little bit of apprehension from the team. Um, but it was so cool when they went into watch you do it and like immediately on the way out the door, they were like, I can do that. That uh, That is no big deal. You know, like yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. So with the number, one of the examples, I guess, would be using the rec and rec. And so the number talk would be, let's make the number eight, or we would start with a lower number. Um, but the kids get so excited to share their way. And when they see that somebody has a different way, 
they're even more interested in the different ways to compose eight. So I think it wasn't really anything, like we didn't have a extravagant lesson on part whole. It was just more of exploring and just kind of discovering the different ways to make up a number. That's awesome. I feel like your I feel like your team came around to like they at the beginning they were like we hate part whole we don't want to teach yeah. it and I think by the end they were like yeah this is good we got this it was, yeah it was cool to watch that growth um what do you think is the hardest kindergarten math standard to either master or teach or maybe both um it's funny because last year I would have said part whole okay but this year because we had that number talks foundation I would say money can be pretty hard just because they have to memorize the coins um but this year was a little bit easier because you recommended bringing in real coins and that helped a lot but it was still kind of hard because it is kind of one of those things that they do have to remember yeah Ruth what do you remember about teaching money in first grade (laughs) (laughs) so this is just like a very specific story and you ask, but it is like our little for calendar time. And so everyone's on the front and we're counting to 100. And every day we show the day with different coins and we count together. And I haven't necessarily had a lesson in first grade on teaching the coins, but I'm kind of teaching it in that calendar time. And I remember I said to Jasmine, Jasmine, what is this? And pointed to the nickel. And she said, a leg. <laughs> what? <laughs> this was my face because as a kindergarten, first grade teacher, you always are like, oh, I can see why you said that. But, and I just was like, what? <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. A week later, she was referred for special ed. And that was the story. Like she, she wasn't didn't think she was wrong at all. She just 100% knew that she was right. And I still don't have any idea, but it obviously <laughs> affected me because 20 years later, <laughs> you can remember. I still remember her face, my face, everyone else's face. A leg. I'm a sure. A leg. What I just was like, well, it's a nickel. It's five cents. Absolutely no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, you ask. It's funny that you picked that topic to say, what do you remember? <laughs> yeah. I, I I can agree with you that the whole money thing is tricky. Like, and, and it really, in kindergarten, it's really just recognizing, right? Just recognizing what yeah. they're, what they're called and what they're worth. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not but adding Tracy, them up. I feel like 20 years ago, my students had more access to money. You know, like kindergartners now go to the store with their moms and they pay with debit cards. Yeah. People don't carry coins around where there was a differentiation in first grade. Like this kid is really street smart. He knows all of his money, that kind of thing. Like he's been out, you know, whatever. And they it's it's just not like that anymore. Everybody's using credit. Yeah. Even to make change. I can see a difference in sixth grade because the kids haven't had experiences with it at home. Yeah, it was one of the things. Yeah. Count so Trip was having to count a collection of coins, and he, I just noticed that he didn't yet do it in the most efficient way possible. I I watched him one day, and he was. What did he do? I 
I would count all the quarters first, right? And then all the dimes and then all the nickels like that. And he, he was sort of making piles of something, groups in some so, in some way, but he didn't start with all the biggest amounts. Anyway, yeah, it's all good. I think the one more thing that was hard yeah. this year in kindergarten for math was um, comparing and ordering. Okay. And again, this year it was a little bit easier because we – did a different approach to to that like with the task we did um from it was from the VDOE yeah but it started with them making their own towers and then ordering them from least to greatest so it went a little better this year but it was still kind of hard but I guess this year I just kind of noticed that it wasn't so much that it was hard for the kids to master some of these skills that I thought was were so hard it was more so my approach to teaching it was wrong. And so I think that's really important. Like for me as a kindergarten teacher, that was an important takeaway um, is that change it, like change it up. If it's not your favorite thing to teach, try something different with it. Yeah. And that was just really helpful for me this year. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll go ahead, Ruth. Oh, I'll, go ahead. I'll, I'll just say like, I struggle with, like wanting teachers to, I'm so like, I'm so excited about the growth and how you guys are as a whole team growing. Like, I don't want you to think that what you did is wrong. Like, I just think you're learning other ways and better ways, you know, like. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't want But it's more, it's more fun to teach it when you're, when the kids are engaged and they get it, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. So what about picture books? I remember feeling like that was something that I missed when I moved from first grade to fourth grade because I could go to the library and get you know a book on counting or comparing but when I got to fourth grade people don't write as many picture books about double digit multiplication (laughs) yeah yeah um so one that I really liked this year um I didn't plan for it Tracy actually I think Tracy brought it to me um, and it's called School's First Day of School. And we, the kindergarten team, had just learned that a oh, yeah. square is a rectangle. And so... <laughs> Why are you laughing? I just remember this this time in the year. We talked about it at home. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, we were like, oh my goodness, how are we going to teach our kids? We've already taught shapes. We already taught them that a square is a square and a rectangle is a rectangle, two sides short, two sides long, and so on. So we were talking in our PLC, and Tracy was like, well, why not just tell them, like, hey, I made a mistake? And so I did that and told them that, and they were so excited. I mean, I don't think that any of them forgot it, but then Tracy comes in with this book school's first day of school and in the book it's the school like literally the school building's first day of going to school and um he talks about how he had no idea that a square was actually a rectangle in the book and so we had just talked about it and then we're reading about it and they just got so excited um and they were telling everyone about how a square is actually a rectangle so that one was really cool love it that's so exciting (laughs) i don't i think it was a pre-k teacher 
who found it, right? Miss Jackson, I think, was the one who yeah. was like, you got to see this because we had talked yeah. about it in her in her um, in her PLC, too. That's awesome. Um, so I remember, wait, I have to go back to something that you said that I was really excited about. Um, this is like two, two questions ago, but, um, you must have done the VDOE comparing task, like right before we got out. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I didn't remit, like we hadn't talked about how that went yet. So do you want to say anything else about, cause I'm just really curious how, do you want to say anything else about how it went? Yeah. So I want to say that we did the first two days and then maybe we didn't do the last day. I can't really remember right now, but um, honestly, more I was thinking that more kids didn't get it. But when we did it this way, they seemed to get it. So that was kind of interesting to see. But um, so it started off with they built their own towers and I think they had to order them from least to greatest or greatest to least. But they could use... um, any any height of each tower so like they could put three five and two but it was supposed to equal 13 or something yeah, i think it was 13 so maybe they wouldn't do that one but um so they just took their cubes back to their seat and they built it and then they had to record on their paper and i walked around and scribed their thinking so they would have to tell me this is what i did um And honestly, I feel like most of them did really well. From what I remember, I had a few who um, put, like, didn't put them in the right order, Mm -hmm. but they still knew which one was the fewest, which one was the greatest, and that kind of thing. And then we also took pictures of the different, um, no, I think that was counting collections. Yeah. So just if we've mentioned it before on our podcast, but we will link again to where the video he has put these collections of of rich tasks. And what's so cool about it is that they are field tested and, you know, Virginia teachers tried them out with their class, put their kids work in this document. You can see sample work. So um, we it was cool to go with your team and go through and look at kids example work and, you know, talk about what kind of issues we might see or what we would expect or what makes a really high level answer. Um, so it's just, a, even if you're not in Virginia, it's a really great resource to check out that list of tasks. And they are, they are making more. I think it's sort of in the pause right now because of, um, why is that crazy? There's no school, but, um, it, more will be coming. Yeah. Yeah. And the cool thing about that task was that, um, you would pick one or two of the kids' work to show the other students. Mm-hmm. And so then when they saw, they would get to see the different ways that everybody solved it. And we could talk about, like, well, why is this one, Why is how is this one different, or what did they do differently? Yeah. Just kind of, like, learning from each other. That's awesome. Um, so I remember at one point in the year that you were doing math journals. Is that something that you ended up continuing and what, what kind of came out of that? So I did continue using the math journals. I wasn't consistent with it as maybe some of the other teachers were, but I really liked it as a kind of like a reflection or even a communication piece Mm -hmm. in math. Um, One of my favorite lessons that we did with the journal was on money um, when we were having such a hard time remembering the difference between a quarter and a nickel. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so they drew a picture. They had the real coin in front of them, and they drew a picture of the nickel one day and then wrote down some things about it and kind of reflected and talked to their partners about it, um, what makes it a nickel. And then the next day, we did the same thing with the quarter. And so then on the third day, we were able to compare the two and kind of identify what really makes it a quarter or a nickel. So it was kind of cool. That's awesome. Didn't you guys use magnifying glasses or yeah, yeah, yeah. with that too? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love it. Oh, wow. I was really into that lesson and <laughs> lost track of what she was doing. My next question. <laughs> um, so what's something that you're proud of from this past year? And it doesn't have to be math related. Um, I would say I'm most most proud this year of my math growth just in general. Um, last year, I was very much a, and especially my first year and second year of teaching, I was just like by the book. I, I liked rules and I felt like this is the best way to teach it because it works. Um, and so it was like all the algorithms, I guess you would call it. And by working with Tracy and my team this year, I mean, I would never teach math like I taught it before. I'm much more, I just have like taken a step back and just let it happen because I was, I was just too controlling, I guess, of my math instruction. But um, I would say that what I've learned is to um, be more open to choice and exploring and just discovery in math and letting them like figure it out themselves instead of me modeling the right way to do it, how can I scaffold the lesson so that they're discovering what I want them to discover, I guess. And so it's just ah, so much more critical thinking and communication and just collaborating. And I don't know, I was afraid, I guess I was afraid of all the um, communication and collaboration with kindergartners and even critical thinking. But they did so well with it, and I felt better teaching it, and I felt more confident in their number sense, most specific specifically. That's awesome. I remember Sarah, I'm going to forget her last name. I, she is a high school algebra teacher, and I went to many of her sessions at NTTM, and she was like, Oh, Vanderwerf? I, oh, yeah, Vanderwerf. Thank you. She just said, I don't want to say anything that a student could say so I just teach it until somebody says it and that's really kind of what you're you know talking about especially in kindergarten I'm not going to tell them that the numbers get bigger as you count I'm going to let someone say that because we've looked at the numbers and we you know we know what three is more than just the numeral three yeah and they don't if you don't let them discover it they will not remember it like they just <laughs> they're not interested in, in you know like it's just it was really exciting this year that's a strong statement right there i like that so you've got this jump um of all this learning that you've done and you're going to get a new team new teammate this year um what is something you know what's your new what's your best what's your best advice for your new teammate who's coming in um, we don't, we don't know a lot about what her math comfort level is, but what would you, what would you say to her about math instruction in kindergarten? I think I would say to try to reflect and improve. So after you do a lesson, 
think about what did I do great, what can I improve on, um, and then collaborate with your team, with your coaches, ask for help because everybody needs help. So don't don't be afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with your kids, just relax, get like let go of some of the control because. <laughs> They need to discover, they need to explore their kindergartners. They need to be moving, you know, just don't worry so much about planning out every little detail. Just let it happen, I guess. That's awesome. I think it's it's interesting. Like, I'm, I also kind of have the background of I know a little bit about how your reading instruction looks, and it feels a little bit like the opposite of how you're describing math, right? Like yeah, b- what yeah. you've learned to do with um, OG, Orton-Gillingham, for those people who are not reading people. Thank you for um, that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> or reading teachers. Um, that feels very, like, scripted. I might be wrong, but my perception is very scripted. And so then, like, yeah. you're sort of switching gears for math. You want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. So I think it's very... It's very challenging to think about. Sometimes it's a little conflicting. Um, But I know that OG works well, and I really like it. Um, I've used Foundations and um, the Orton-Gillingham Multisensory Institute um, program. Okay. So it is very scripted and... um, sequential like you just go in the order and you kind of follow that script Mm -hmm. but there are some places for you to add in like brainstorming um or writing but there's recent research right now out on this new kind of approach to maybe phonics okay and it's about using like the back door to the brain and um, it's called Secret Stories. And I don't, I haven't researched it enough. I've, I've looked into it, but I'm actually going to a workshop or a virtual workshop soon that cool. this, um, the author of it is supposed to be presenting. So it's Katie Garner, okay. I think. Um, but she does Secret Stories, which are like these stories that help you remember um, phonics rules and like reading rules okay and i really really love it because it's a different way it's not like ai says a you know like it's not so cut and dry i guess yeah. it's, it's a little more exciting for kindergartners and even first grade like k2 okay um so yeah i'm interested to see what will happen if it'll always be like that or i don't know i would say too like I don't know. I'm thinking back to how long ago was it, Ruth, that we started the flipped classroom, like eight well, years ago? Those, yeah, the, that student from my first year, those students from my first year graduated. Yeah. So this year. So, so kind of what I'm seven years. What I'm getting at is like in your career. It's not like I've been teaching a whole long time, but Tracy, you have been teaching for a while. I think. 13 14 years anyway like you're gonna you're gonna learn something new and you're gonna be like this is it this is awesome (laughs) you know and then you do it for a while and you see like really good gains from it and then you're like oh here's another new thing that I can learn to do and this is awesome you know and it's not that like and I think specifically like flip classroom like Ruth and I were like all in with the flip classroom and 
now we're like, eh, you know, there were good parts to it, but there were things, there were holes to it too, you know? So like in all of those things, it's not like you have to be like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm never touching that again, but you can take what was good from that and then take what's good from the next thing and what's good from the next thing. So maybe you'll be able to like, see how you can put these two things together. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about reading. And I think reading is a little different from math just because they do have to learn a lot in a a small amount of time, like Mm -hmm. um, with spelling patterns and stuff. And I think that's important, but I'm wondering if we are finding like other ways to mesh these things together. Um, I don't know. It's just constantly in my brain. I'm thinking about that. (laughs) I love it. I like, I like, I like when people are really into things and constantly learning and about it. So awesome. So I think you've kind of answered this when you talked about Seesaw, but if I were to, I mean, because I'm teaching in a private school and we don't have as many Wi-Fi issues and access issues as some of your students might have, I'm just curious if there's a website or something that you feel like is really good for kindergarten teachers that maybe is a little bit unknown? Um, I would definitely recommend the kindergarten uh, smorgas- smorgasbord. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, oh, okay. That's a that's a really great resource because they post a lot of different um, websites and resources that you can go to from there. Um, and then, yeah, Seesaw would probably be my main recommendation for kindergarten. And also, I've done a lot of trainings on through um, our school district, like the technology trainings. And I really like Loom to like record hmm. videos and, and stuff. And then also... Um, making like hyperdocs. I thought I thought that was kind of cool, like where you have different links to different things, maybe for like a virtual field trip or something. But other than that, I would say those would be my top suggestions. Do you use um, Chromebooks or anything in your classroom at school with your kindergartners? We have iPads. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so they use Raz Kids on the iPads. Oh, okay. That for reading. Sorry, I'm stuck on reading now. Oh, that's <laughs> fine. Um, and then Happy Numbers was pretty cool for for the iPads too. But it was hard so, because there's not an app. Okay. So I found Happy Numbers for my sixth graders when oh, we okay. came back for online. And I signed everybody up and then was like, this stops at oh. fifth grade. Oh. So... I mean, it was it was good because I had a lot of students who could fill in. I loved the way that it taught and the way that it asked the questions. It wasn't just like, what's the value of this digit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to not assign it. I had to just say, work 20 minutes and whatever you want. And a lot of kids just, you know, finished out of it because they were obviously almost done with sixth grade and it stopped at fifth. <laughs> I have to share an app I just heard about from Berkeley Everett. Um, Jay's BFF. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What's he, up, Berkeley? Yeah. He was um, sharing on Twitter about Dragon Box numbers, and I just downloaded it mainly because he's somebody I that, that, I, that I trust his opinion. Um, and it's very visual. It feels a little bit like it's free right now. I don't know if 
it'll always be free. It sounded like I, it was for this month or something. Oh, really? I thought um, it was different than that. We'll look that up, what he said. Anyway, um, it feels a bit like Cuisinier rods, except for that they are got faces on them. Um, and there's like puzzles and you're like mashing them to get, you're mashing the rods together. I don't know. I didn't get very far <laughs> in it, in the app. Um, but it's certainly something that kindergartners could do because there's basically no words. It's all just like images that you're moving around so far. So that might be worth investigating. Dragon box numbers was a free app right now. Yeah. Phone. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, so thinking towards next year, um, and let's assume that we go back to some sort of normal situation at school, which who knows what will happen. Um, is there, is there one area of math instruction that you want to grow in? Either, can it, and it could be a particular content area. Um, I know you've already mentioned money, but you know, particular content, or it could be like a, a skill or a, you know, something about the teaching that you're interested in. So, one thing I think of is before the coronavirus, I remember we were, you were sharing the, it was this different approach where you start with a hook and then you collaborate and then you add, I don't remember it exactly, but I was really interested in that and I didn't get a chance to really try that other than the task that we, the video e task, right. but I don't know that that was the same thing after watching the videos that you sent. Do you know what, I, do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? So, so I think it, I, um, I'll link to the particular video that I know the guy's name is Mike Flynn that sent it out. So I think it was like launch, explore, and maybe share yeah. or something like that. There's words that mean something like that, which I mean, you, you described it perfectly with your, the tower task that you did, you know, that you like, you, you did it once at least. <laughs> um, I think yeah. you did it with, you did it with coll- counting collections too. Um, but just that that idea of the task being the lesson, the task being where they're doing the learning and launch, you know, launch a task, give them something to do, send them off and let them work and figure, figure it out. You monitor and look for what you want to share and then come back and and share together. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would like to kind of explore using that approach more, even if I did use it, I guess, just reflecting on that more or, or planning for that a little more, I guess. Good. Yay. Me too. I just watched, um, I'll link to this too. I just watched a webinar by Teresa Wills, who's a professor at George Mason here in Virginia. And sh- it was all about how to do that in an online setting. So she talked about how she does it synchronously. Um, she, she is mainly a teacher educator, so she does it with pre-service and in-service teachers, but she's had experience with third graders, even kindergartners she was describing was pretty cool. Um, those, it was a good webinar to kind of open your mind to think about how could you do that in a, in a virtual setting. It was good. And then, um, Georgiana is actually going to try it with her kid. She was on the podcast recently. She's going to try it with her kids on a zoom next week. So we'll see how that goes. Cool. Yeah. What, when are you guys done? How long, I mean, is there like a, this is when you're going to not hear from your teachers anymore? Yeah. The end of May we have till the end of May. Okay. How about much longer do you have? Um, May 21 is a work day. May 20 is the last day I can assign work. So it's like next Wednesday. 
Yeah, we are at the end. It is officially when parents are like, oh, is there something they can do for extra credit? Well, my kid <laughs> has a seat. Like what can grade? I do to fix that? Yeah. <laughs> Just like in the school, you know? Yeah. At the end of the year, everybody's like, what can we do? What can we do? Yeah. So that's a tough time. So, Katie, is there anything else that we didn't ask you about that you want to share? Um, not really. The only thing I think about, just because I had to research this a lot in my reading program, um, I just wonder what you think about the, like, student-teacher programs and their math instruction. Like, how is that being um, approached, I guess? Like, do you, ha- do you know... Um, of the research on how how we're teaching teachers to teach math? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> it is a good question. I feel like, I, how long ago did you graduate college? So I graduated in 2016. And so like okay. in my experience, um, I had one math class and it was good, but it was just one math class. So I feel like that's probably commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I graduated with an education degree, I had one math class and it wasn't good. It was like college algebra, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to teach you this. And I never really had a particular class in how to teach math. My experience is mostly with Liberty students. And I know that they have um, in their pre-service to be a pre-service teacher, they have a class like you were talking about, but I don't know that they have more than one um, because that teacher has divided it up into units like the SOL. So they have a number sense and a geometry and a measurement and a statistics unit. Um, but I don't know that they get much more than that. Yeah. And so if they're fearful of math, like I have a lot of those student teachers who come into my um, classroom Like you, for instance, you're going to be certified K-2 or K-6, and you really want to teach K-2, but you just get put in the sixth grade math class. And there's this fear of sixth grade math, I can't do it. And Mm -hmm. they have to do that every semester, be in a different class for some kind of a practicum. So I feel like they see a lot of math teaching. Um, You know, there's definitely not a time that I sit down with them and teach them math, but they watch me teach. So maybe they get a little bit more because of how many classrooms they have to be in before they graduate. Do you know about Randolph or U of L, Tracy? I feel like it's pretty common. I could be wrong, but I feel like it's pretty common to get one pedagogy class and then to have like one class that's the content, you know, that you have to, so whatever it might be called math for elementary teachers or something like that. Um, And, and this is often taught by a, the first one's taught by a teacher, like a, a person who's um, educated about education. And then the other one's often taught by a, a person who has a math expert, not necessarily a, a pedagogy expert. And like my, I, I admit I haven't read a lot about the research or a lot of the research, but just from watching what happens in my own experience, like those two people need to work together that, you know, yeah. or even ideally it would be two classes that are like team learning taught. the math. Ooh, team taught is great. Like learning the math 
and the pedagogy at the same time. And now that you say that, like m- several of my math specialist courses were, were that way. We had a mathematician and a, and a teacher educator together teaching the class at the same time. It was really cool because like sometimes you'd watch the the mathematician turn to the the professor and be like, I don't know, what do you think? And, you know, get their perspective. And then sometimes the teacher educator would look at the mathematician and be like, I literally don't know the answer to this question. You're the expert on the math. You talk about it. Yeah. Um, I know in your school, the, the, the person who has historically done the pedagogy side, she was a math teacher. So, I mean, th- that makes sense when before she came to teach higher ed. And our content person has been very teacher friendly, but that's not always the case. In fact, both both of those ladies are retired now and aren't doing that anymore. Um, and so that worked out well. But I think a lot of times that mathematician is not, I'm not saying is not teacher friendly, but hasn't worked with a pedagogy person in the past and doesn't think that way. And you often, it's very disjointed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, one, one day I I'm going to grow up and I ahead. was just curious about it just because in reading and in my research, that's a really big topic is how are we teaching teachers to, to teach kids to read? And a lot of what we see in our schools might not always support the research. Um, so I was just interesting if that's the same, if it happens the same way with math, um, which I feel like in my experience graduating from the my undergrad experience, um, having the one class didn't prepare me to teach the way that I would probably like to have taught my yeah. first three years. So I just wonder, um, you know, how we could change that. Yeah. I wonder if, you, I if, honest, oh, if your degree is in like a secondary math teacher when you're not when you're not focusing on reading and all, you know, other, you know, when you're a more general special specialization, there's not the time to focus, but I wonder, um, people that are secondary math educators, you know, whether they get a lot more of combined or if it's just a lot more higher ed or not higher, ed, higher level content and, and, and not the same and not any more pedagogy. Yeah. It depends a lot on where you are. Ruth, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I think that's why they have math specialists now. I mean, I think that's where they've seen this development because you can't go back to the colleges and say your pre-service teachers need to have three more math classes with pedagogy, you know? Yeah. Right. There's not enough time in your college career, and what is a college going to say isn't important so you can get that? And I think they've filled that hole or are trying to fill that hole with math specialists. The problem is that, like you said before, teachers have to come in willing to say, I don't know. You know, yeah. and when you graduate yeah. from college and you have a job, you feel like, I know. That's why I got a job. You, <laughs> well, know? you don't tell anybody yeah. you don't know because you want to keep that job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good question. And I will say that, you know, on Twitter, we've connected with several people that are math teacher educators who are I think doing a great job you know there are a couple people that I could point to that like their program is pretty awesome um but I don't think that's across the board yeah how a lot of how new teachers are coming out and I don't think when you're looking into colleges to be a teacher you even know 
as a high school senior, I want to be a teacher, so I want to find a college that teaches how to teach math really well. You know, I think there's this gap of if you can do math, you can teach math. Mm -hmm. So you get lucky when you end up in one of those professor's classes mm -hmm. and are like, wow, I learned so much. Yeah. yeah, and I really, I love my program, my student teaching program. I think they did a great job. I just always am thinking about the research and, you know, how to like improve, so. it's awesome. I think that's awesome to hear from a relatively early uh, or relatively new teacher. Cause I think, you know, when I came out of undergraduate and was teaching, I wasn't thinking about the research and what's, you know, <laughs> research, you know, I was, a, I was a music educator, so I wasn't thinking about the research and how to get people to sing. I was hanging on for dear life and trying to remember yeah, what were. I learned a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, this has been awesome. We like to end with takeaways usually. So if you, if you have one to share, um, anybody can go first. I have one. Let's hear it, Jay Pravit. All right. First off is just a quick update. That app you talked about, I found Berkeley's tweet, and he said it is free forever if you download it this month. Okay. So it must be like there's not they're not going to charge for a new version. It's not like they're going to discontinue and make a new one. Um, it's free right now, and there won't be, you know, you know, it's not like you have to pay for it down the road. Cool. So if you want to get that, jump on it. Okay. A lot of people have been talking good about it. Yeah. Here lately. Um, also, I wanted to say how interesting it is for me and. You know, I've worked in music, I've worked in technology, I've also worked a lot in um, faculty development, both in K-12 and higher ed. And I've seen a lot of different teachers, different stages of their career, different, you know, different subjects, different, you know, all that kind of thing. And it's it's pretty, um, I'm not going to say impressive, but it, it is, but it's more um, heartening to see people like listen to you three talk about wanting to get better at teaching math, finding out how to teach better at math and implementing it and being excited about that. Cause you know, there, you know, there are people that have been teaching for 25, 30 years who are like, you know what? I've done it for 25, 35 years. My students are doing okay. I'm just going to sit back and let this happen. Um, and there are teachers, you know, early career, they're saying, well, that's, you know, I'm just trying to get through. I'm just reading this book. I'm going to do what they say here. And we're going to, move on to reading because I got to hang on. Um, and, you know, mid-career teachers that are, you, you know, I think it's it's just interesting and I'm excited to see that there are people that are really trying to get better at teaching, not just get through the book. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That is heartening. Good word. <laughs> I think my takeaway is um, I'm excited about continuing to figure out what it looks like to use rich tasks in kindergarten. Like you've got me excited thinking about, you know, how you use the the tower one and the counting collections. Those are both good examples. And I'm going to be keeping my eyes open for tasks that we can try next year, you know, to, to, to do that, to help them. Oh, that part about what you said about them, that they'll remember it if they're the ones who discover it. Like I'm going to explore yeah. that some more. Awesome. So that was kind of mine, too. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Except for I was not going to look for kindergarten tasks. I was going to look for sixth grade tasks. But I feel like that's what summer is for, to fill my box with things that I can try that are new. Because I know what worked, but sometimes in the school year, you're so bogged down with trying something new every single day. Um, and then I 
you know, you get sent home and you got to do everything new a completely different way. So I'm excited to try to find those tasks. And I mean, thinking reality that we might be back in this kind of a teaching program and what, you know, kind of task can I do online? So I might go back and listen to that webinar Mm -hmm. that you link in the show notes, Tracy. Yep. Katie, do you want to share a takeaway? Yeah. So I would say my takeaway is utilize your math coach and your resources. Um, And this is my fourth year of teaching. And so in my fourth year, I've discovered all these wonderful things about math. So it's not too early and it's not too late to change your approach to math. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Good stuff. That was a good one. Awesome. Well, I, we just really appreciate you joining us. It's, it's exciting to see somebody who's so excited about growing. I love that. Oh, thank you. It gives energy to those of us who have done a lot of growing and (laughs) feel like some days, whew, but, and then you got Jay who's like, there's some teachers who are like, I've done this a long time and I'm done. Like, okay, I can't become one of those teachers. Well, so. we, we usually end by saying we will see you on a run. Ruth and I are still deciding if it's if if it's safe to run again together. We, we haven't we haven't decided. Katie, do you ever run? Do you like to run at all? Um, sometimes. I'm more of a walker. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I can promise you, Tracy Prophet, when you decide to say I'll see you on a run, it will be a walk. Okay. Because <laughs> this girl has not been. I mean, like Lucy and I take a walk at night, but yeah. I just can't run by myself. Lucy's the dog, y'all, just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lucy's the dog. And then your husband's been out of commission. Sometimes you run with him. (laughs) Yeah. I did read that someone named their dog Five Miles, so they could say, I walked five miles every day. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I like it. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Katie. We'll see you next time, friends. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.